Hi, and welcome to Nation State of Play. I'm your host, Brian Miller. In each episode of this podcast, we explore high-impact topics determining the future of our nation state. Our guest today is Tim Gibbs with the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids. Tim has been leading the fight in Sacramento for a statewide ban on flavored tobacco, one of the biggest public health threats facing our nation. He joins us today to discuss why this issue is so critical and the status of the current legislation. Well, Tim, thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate having you. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Great. Well, Tim, could you tell us a little bit about the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids and the work that your organization does? Yeah, well, the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids is an organization that is dedicated to preventing smoking amongst youth uh, and has been working all around the country to pass uh, legislation that protects kids, helps adults quit, and, you know, really is about preventing the next generation uh, uh, from enduring what previous generations have had to endure due to the tobacco companies, um, you know, marketing to kids and creating uh, people who are addicted to tobacco. Great. Well, you know, I think this is such an important issue to be talking about. Uh, before COVID broke out, I really think this was the single greatest public health issue facing the country. Um, and, and now I think it overlaps a lot with COVID. So I definitely want to get into that in the show. But I think it'd be great to start with the public health context, kind of, of where tobacco use was before vaping came along, how many uh, teens and young teens are vaping now and and really just like the overall impact of what vaping has done. Yeah. And especially here in California, I mean, we were at the tipping point in terms of driving youth uh, tobacco use uh, into the, you know, extremely low single digits and the Paco companies were well aware of this and well aware that the next generation would not, uh, be as addicted as previous generations. And so they came up with flavored e-cigarettes and flavored e-cigarettes are designed specifically to uh, attract young people to tobacco products. I mean, who else is going to use a cotton candy uh, flavored tobacco product or a watermelon or a bubble gum or a Captain Crunch? I mean, the list goes on and on. There's something like 15,000 flavors that are, um, that have been invented, and the vast majority of them are about youth and creating something that is uh, appealing to children. So, and I want to make sure that listeners understand exactly what these different terms are, because we talk about vaping and e-cigarettes and flavored tobacco. Could you give us just a little bit of an overview of the different things you're dealing with here? Sure. But first, uh, first, I'd like to say, though, that under California law and also under the um, organizations who, uh, who do tobacco control, I mean, we consider all of these products to be a tobacco product, whether it's a cigar or a cigarillo or an e-cigarette or um, chew or a traditional cigarette. These are all tobacco products. Um, 
And, uh, you know, there was a huge fight in the legislature um, in 2015 and 2016 to define e-cigarettes as the tobacco product that they are. And the tobacco companies wanted e-cigarettes defined separately so they could be regulated separately. Um, Never mind the fact that these vaping products without the tobacco plants, there would be no uh, uh, e-juice to put in the, um, into the vaping product. but despite that, they wanted it defined differently so they could market these products as safer. So, you know, they're absolutely, it's absolutely appropriate that these products are defined as tobacco products. And so, um, you know, one of the things that the tobacco companies have done and done um, tragically well is to, uh, you know, still continue to market them as something different marketed as a safer product. Um, they want to talk about it as if they're out there trying to help smokers quit. And when what, what they're actually doing is maintaining an, an addiction. They're not remotely in the interest of, uh, of helping people um, with their addiction to tobacco products. What they want to do is get them hooked on their product. Um, and, you know, that's why a lot of the big tobacco companies like R.J. Reynolds and Philip Morris have invested heavily in these new products and then uh, newcomers like uh, Juul have also sprung up and, um, you know, have, have really tried to market themselves as, as, as something other than a traditional tobacco product. And, um, but as I said, you know, California law and the public health community at large completely and utterly rejects the notion that these are not tobacco products. So what do we know about the public health impacts, the personal impacts, of course, as well, of flavored tobacco? Yeah, well, we know that flavored tobacco products are uh, a gateway for young people to start using um, tobacco products. And, and, and we know that uh, 80% of youth have started with uh, with a flavored tobacco product, and many of them move on to traditional uh, products. You know, one in four high school students have used an e-cigarette. Um, 32%, or I'm sorry, three point, and you know, and and in terms of who's using e-cigarettes and who's not, the vast majority of users of e-cigarettes are um, are, are young people. I mean, that's just appalling that. You know, a quarter of high school students have have used e-cigarettes. Yeah, and stunning numbers, uh, as you say, uh, teen tobacco use was nearly eradicated in the low single digits, gone up by orders of magnitude now in just a few years. So you can really see how this this is a health issue that has spiraled out of control. Go ahead, Tim. Right, and I mean, just the numbers, just like like you said, stunning. I mean. Between 2017 and 2018, there was a 78% increase in e-cigarette use by uh, high school students and a 48% increase by middle school students. I mean, that is just, it's really scary for our next generation. And, and um, you know, I mean, the elephant in the room is, 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 is COVID um, and how this, how this interacts with the, with the pandemic. Um, but we know, um, 
that COVID uh, attacks the lungs, um, and it can be an especially serious threat for those who smoke tobacco or vape. Um, and, you know, that makes this effort to prohibit the sale of all flavored tobacco products even more important because, you know, the last thing we want is more and more young people getting addicted in the middle of a pandemic and, uh, and especially a pandemic that attacks lung function as well as the immune system. Yeah, I think it's really important to dwell on this point here because I know there's a lot on the legislature's plate, obviously most of which is COVID-related. This is very much COVID-related. And, um, you know, I've heard some people suggest, well, we don't have enough data to know what the interaction of, of COVID and flavored tobacco is. And, of course, we don't have a lot of data. COVID is, is uh, you know, barely three months old. But everything that we know from public health officials is that people with respiratory problems, people with underlying health conditions are much more likely to have serious complications and die from COVID. So uh, I think it's quite obvious that you're going to be in a much worse situation if you have a compromised respiratory system because you're using some form of flavored tobacco and then you get COVID. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, let's let's now talk about the political developments and what's been going on legislatively from a regulatory perspective across the country. And why don't we start with a national view and, and then we'll spend the rest of the time talking about California. But but yeah, what have been the national developments on regulating these products? Well, uh, last year, um, it appeared as if the Trump administration was going to take a positive step in terms of regulating e-cigarettes and prohibiting the sale of flavored e-cigarettes. Um, unfortunately, the administration took a big step back from uh, prohibiting the sale of all uh, flavored e-cigarettes. In fact, um, you know, the, the administration's policy now is sort of chock full of, of loopholes. There's certain flavors that are uh, still allowed, like mint and menthol. There's uh, products that are still allowed to be sold are completely unregulated. And so, um, you know, what appeared to be promising was now the huge step backwards. And so um, what's what the result is, is that the states are left to themselves to, um, to try and figure this out to halt the epidemic. And you've seen some, uh, especially last summer, some uh, gubernatorial orders in other states to um, prohibit the sale of either all e-cigarettes or um, some flavored products. And so there's there's definitely a grappling amongst the states in terms of, of what to do. But I think most people agree that this, uh, you know, epidemic of youth e-cigarette use uh, needs a, an immediate response. Um, I think we in California have uh, taken... Um, you know, a big step forward, you know, we've recognized this for as a problem for a long time, even before, you know, uh, last summer, there were a lot of uh, deaths and illnesses attributed to uh, uh, vaping use. And that really um, sort of crystallized uh, the dangers of these products in a lot of policymakers. Um, but even prior to that, California, you know, we have been taking a uh, a proactive 
look at a policy response uh, to the youth um, crisis of vaping. And uh, the best way we can address it is to prohibit the sale of all flavored tobacco products. Um, and like a lot of things, you know, what, what you need to do to pass a, a statewide, a piece of legislation statewide is to start at the local level and work with, you know, local communities to pass ordinances there. Um, and so, you know, we are up to, uh, you know, like 80 cities and counties, 80, 80 jurisdictions that have passed uh, flavor policies. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's started off in, you know, places like Hayward and Yellow County, um, Oakland, you know, uh, you know, started, started the process going, looked around the community, decided, you know, there are all these crazy flavors of e-cigarettes that we know youth are using. You know, there's uh, menthol cigarettes who have, um, which has traditionally been targeted to uh, the African-American community, the LGBTQ community, uh, and, and others. Um, and so they started looking at these policies and the best way to reduce tobacco use is to prohibit the sale of all flavored tobacco products. Um, so, you know, we're working at the state level, we're working at the local level. Um, we've had some big wins in the last um, year or so. This, uh, uh, the city of Sacramento passed a comprehensive ordinance, the county of Los Angeles, uh, as I mentioned, Oakland and Oakland as being one of the first, they, they had a loophole that let um, some stores uh, continue to sell uh, flavored products if they claimed to be an adult-only store. Um, and so what happened was a lot of uh, stores, you know, just sort of carved off a section and said, oh, we're adult-only. And so, uh, you know, we just recently fixed that loophole. Um, you know, in San Francisco, uh, we passed a smoke-free, or a, a, sorry, we passed a uh, flavored tobacco ordinance there. R.J. Reynolds went to the ballot with that. They spent, um, you know, uh, over $10 million trying to uh, repeal the will of the, uh, the, the, the supervisors, uh, and they got crushed at the ballot. So that was um, Proposition E back in 2017. Uh, the supervisors again tightened restrictions on um, on e-cigarettes and Juul this time went to the ballot and lit a bunch more money on fire and tried to pass uh, another ordinance that would have put candy flavored tobacco products back on the shelves in San Francisco. Uh, that one lost 80 to 20. Um, so, you know, there is just a tremendous amount of momentum at the local level uh, that is, um, you know, certainly given us momentum at the state level. And so <laughs> last year there was a flavored tobacco bill in 2019 um, that didn't quite make it through the process uh, this year. Uh, that was by Senator uh, Jerry Hill, who's done a fantastic job uh, leading the effort for us. Um, this year, the bill uh, is returned, SB 793. Um, there was, uh, it, it's on its way to the uh, floor of the Senate. We're feeling really good 
about its prospects, um, you know, and it's got a ton of support. Um, we are over uh, uh, 42 co-authors. That's a third of the legislature who have, you know, put some skin in the game by signing on as a co-author and saying that they want to see this um, advance and become law. There's 91 organizations uh, that are in support. Um, and so we do have a, a lot of momentum and, and, you know, we're feeling uh, good as we're approaching this, this, this vote on the Senate floor. Um, but having said all that, you know, I have been working in tobacco control uh, for quite some time and lobbying on tobacco issues. Uh, the tobacco companies are relentless and they will do anything. They'll spend anything. They'll say anything to uh, keep addicting kids to tobacco. And so um, this certainly won't be a cakewalk moving forward. And the tobacco companies are going to pull out all the stops to try and uh, prevent this bill from becoming law. Yeah, great summary. So I, I want to talk a little bit more about how the state and the local policies interact with federal policy, because, you know, I've, I've heard the argument be made, well, if the feds aren't going to do this, then, then we're just playing whack-a-mole by going state by state or municipality by municipality, and people will get this stuff from somewhere. So you, know, you, you started with the Trump administration explanation where they seemingly were going to do something good. Uh, for those of you who remember, this is when Trump had the famous press conference where he said Melania cares about this because she has a son. That, of course, is his own own son too. <laughs> right. Save say, say Baron Trump for for those of you who are on TikTok. But um, so there was sort of this strange sort of this this strange walk back from the Trump administration, and. But the reality is, is that the FDA has been pretty ineffective on this in Democratic and Republican administrations. Isn't that true? It has. And I mean, it's really unfortunate. You know, at the uh, start of the Obama administration, um, there was an opportunity to get rid of menthol cigarettes, uh, which, as I said before, have just been used, um, you know, so perniciously uh, against the African American community to. Uh, to market and target that community with, uh, you know, a lifetime of tobacco addiction. But so at the start of the Obama administration, FDA regulation of tobacco was uh, after decades of, of trying to make that happen. It finally happened. It became law. The FDA had the ability to regulate tobacco products. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the sale of all flavored cigarettes were prohibited except for menthol. So that was a tragic uh, miss and a, you know, a blown opportunity, something that could have been done to, um, to improve health outcomes uh, within the African-American community and it just didn't happen. And so, um, you know, so again, it's kind of left to the States to, to write that wrong. Um, and that's why, you know, uh, I think the e-cigarette piece of this gets a lot of press, but in terms of public health benefit, um, you know, we, we, you can't do one without the other. I mean, it's really critical that uh, menthol cigarettes also um, remain in this policy and the sale of menthol cigarettes at the retail level is, is prohibited. And for anybody who thinks that 
California banning all flavored tobacco wouldn't have a big impact. You know, I'm reminded of a lesson I learned early on from a political mentor. He said, if, if you want to know what matters, watch what the bad guys are doing. And to your point, uh, the tobacco companies are fighting your efforts tooth and nail. So, the, so this matters. That's the best proof. If the tobacco companies thought that California banning flavored tobacco would have no impact and that people could just get it from somewhere else, then they'd let this bill go through. They wouldn't be as worried about it as they are. But they're fighting you tooth and nail, isn't that right? Absolutely. I mean, um, they, they certainly are. And they, I mean, you know, I mean, R.J. Reynolds spent that $12 million or whatever it was in San Francisco to protect their Newport brand, brand of cigarettes. Um, you know, San Francisco's, a, you know, a big city and they and an and influential city. And if you can't get menthol cigarettes in San Francisco that has an impact on their, on their market share. And if you can't get menthol cigarettes in California, that has an impact. Um, that has a huge impact. I mean, on ballot initiatives, on tobacco tax ballot initiatives in the last uh, sort of decade and a half, there's been three big um, ballot initiatives on tobacco companies. I mean, on tobacco taxes and the tobacco companies have spent, you know, close to $200 million on fighting these things. And I mean, that's an obscene amount of money and they wouldn't have spent that money if they weren't keenly aware that these policies and these tobacco control policies, whether it be tobacco taxes or um, a uh, prohibiting the sale of flavored tobacco products at the retail level, if they would not have a drastic impact on their bottom line, which is something I think most people agree on is ultimately a good thing for uh, society as a whole and, 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 you know, healthcare in California. So what needs to happen to get this bill over the finish line? What, what do you see as the remaining obstacles in, in the legislature and the political process generally for the rest of this year? I mean, it's, it's, it, we certainly don't underestimate our opponents. As I said before, the tobacco companies will stop at nothing. And there are uh, many legislators, uh, particularly, you know, within the Democratic Party who, um, you know, have relationships with the tobacco company who are companies who are, accept campaign contributions from the t tobacco companies. And, um, you know, are willing to go to bat for the tobacco companies to try and make this effort go away. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we certainly expect some um, sort of procedural shenanigans um, to try and derail this effort. You know, we're confident if we got a clean bill that prohibited the sale of all flavored tobacco products on either the floor of the Senate, which we did, and it's going to happen next week, or the floor of the Assembly, we're confident that we would, you know, get three quarters of the votes in the Assembly. You know, I, I, I think this would clear the Assembly floor by a pretty substantial margin. However, um, you know, there's interests working behind the scenes who want to prevent this from ever coming to a vote, and we'll do uh, whatever they can to try and make that happen. And the, the sad result is that more kids end up getting addicted. And particularly now, that is um, a tragedy we just can't afford. So where, where do you think leadership is on this? I mean, to your point, if you got a clean floor in the, uh, vote on the assembly floor, do you think it could pass? What's your sense of, of where 
the speaker is, of, of where com key committee chairs are, um, where the governor is, for that matter. Yeah, well, I'll start with the governor, and 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 you know, kudos to the governor. Uh, in before COVID, before all this, in his uh, initial budget uh, back in January, um, you know, he talked about uh, prohibiting the sale of. of flavored nicotine products. He talked about, uh, you know, a vaping tax. I think he has uh, recognized that this is is a problem. And, and you know, in the most recent May uh, revision of the budget, um, he also, he again indicated support for, uh, for this policy. Um, you know, I think uh, the bill originated in the Senate. We've had good support all around it's you know even bipartisan support in in the senate um and so you know the next challenge uh will certainly be in the assembly and it remains to be seen um you know how supportive the uh, you know leadership and some of the uh, key committees who would uh, oversee this bill uh, are of the bill uh, are of this of this policy you know our, our, our big fears it would be watered down and kind of turned into the trump administration policy um and you know we're in california here and we shouldn't give um you know basically the federal government's uh veto power essential veto power on what flavors we prohibit and what we um allow and so uh, like I said, you know, it's, it's remains to be seen. The bill is just getting to the assembly, but you know, it, it, nothing with when you're facing funded opponents like the tobacco companies are, you know, nothing's ever easy and we don't expect this to be easy. So what can people do to help if they want to get involved in the fight that you're leading? Yeah. I mean, we need all the help we can get in terms of, uh, of, reaching out to um to your uh legislators particularly uh in the assembly um you know we are uh like i said there are um more than 90 organizations that are um that are involved and you know my organization who i'm representing with the campaign for uh Tobacco-free kids is certainly, um, you know, helping uh, volunteers and advocates reach out to um, their local elected officials. And I think, you know, we're not the only ones saying this. It's time to end the sale of all flavored tobacco products in California. So, Tim, how can people get involved if they want to help get this bill over the finish line? Yeah, just visit CaliforniaFightsFlavors.org and we have a ton of tools for advocates to get in touch with their legislators, whether to thank the nearly one-third or the over-third of the legislature who have signed on as co-authors, um, or to reach out to their uh, legislators who either haven't signed on yet or uh, potentially are in opposition to prohibiting the sale of flavored tobacco products and keeping our kids safe. Great. Well, uh, Tim, I want to thank you for all the leadership on this. You've been in these fights for a long time. It's, it's really great uh, to have you on first to get an update. 
on what's been happening, but I want to thank you for continuing the fight at a very difficult time. And I really just hope that members of the state legislature, governor's office, will make some space for this. We know you've got a ton of other issues on your plate, but this is this is as COVID related to the the public health impacts of youth as any issue you're going to see on your plate. And and as you've said, Tim, every year that goes by is simply more and more people getting addicted and, and facing a potential lifetime of tobacco addiction. So thanks for being on the show today and uh, good luck. Get this bill over the finish line. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Nation State of Play. Our producer is Hannah Miller. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. For more information, you can find us on Facebook at Nation State of Play.